Good morning, Gospel Fellowship family, friends. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if this is your first time joining us. Uh, we thank you for first viewing this. Um, Gospel Fellowship is a church in Boynton Beach. We've been established since 2013, um, and we, we exist to join Christ in the renewal of all things. And that's just a little bit about us. Um, today, we're going to be talking about Philippians 4, 10 through 20. Um, this is the last part of our Everyday Joy series. Um, if you haven't, um, I would definitely just advise you to go um, on our podcast and go back and look at some of the sermons or even on our Facebook live on some of the old posts and just re-encourage yourself um, for about this particular um, sermon series. Um, before I start, I just want to thank um, the people that do all the work behind the scenes. Um, there's a lot that you guys don't see, and it takes a lot to do this week in and week out. And so I just want to thank uh, Pastor Ronnie, first, for giving me the opportunity to speak, but also uh, Pastor Seth, um, who works tirelessly <laughs> every week to make sure this happens. Um, Morel, um, her team and worship team, um, the, the Gaines family, uh, uh, Michelle, all of you, um, Ruth, who does our, our kids ministry stuff. And so thank you guys, all of you guys that are involved. We thank you so much for, for your sacrifice. Um, let's look at. Philippians 4, 10 through 20. Um, I'll be coming from the Holmes uh, Christian Standard Bible. Um, if you haven't, please read this this week in the message version because it was absolute fire. Um, and I, I think it would encourage you throughout the week as well. But um, let's get right into it. Um, sermon title is Let Us Rejoice. Philippians 4, 10 through 20. And it reads, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that once again you renewed your care for me. Um, you were, in fact, concerned about me, but you lacked the opportunity to show it. Now, I don't say this out of need, for I've learned to be content in whatever the circumstances I am. I know both how to have a little and I know how to have a lot. In any and all circumstances, I've learned the secret of being content, whether well fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me still. You did well by sharing with me in my hardship and you Philippians know that in um, that in the earlier days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for me for my needs several times, but not that I seek the gift. But what I seek is the profit that is increasing to your account. But I have received everything in full and I have an abundance. I am fully supplied, having received from, Aprof um, from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And now my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. We'll be looking at three points. That's just how... We, we're going to roll with this. Um, first point is rejoice greatly in circumstance. Point number two is what's the secret? And point number three, um, what's in your account? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for goodness and mercy. We thank you um, that you are a sovereign God, that you provide for us in the midst of any circumstance that we're in. God, now let us glean from the apostle in this epistle to this church in Philippi. God, help us to see the need for the church, the need to share in the burdens of one another, the need to 
in any circumstance to rejoice in you. God, now let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God, I pray that I would decrease, that you would increase. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody with a glad heart said, A to the men. Um, point number one, rejoice greatly in circumstance. Now, have you ever rejoiced in something greatly? Maybe um, in this season, maybe you've had an, uh, you know, a new child. Maybe, you know, you just got married. Maybe, you know, you just got some new clothes, graduations coming up, whatever the thing is. I think all of us in some span of our life has have rejoiced in something greatly. Um, what is that feeling for you? Right. Um, I know if you're a kid, if you've ever been to a theme park, you're you're excited, you're ecstatic. Nothing in the world matters in that time because you're just rejoicing at being at this place of, of such great joy. Um, I want to tell you a little bit of story. Uh, about two weeks ago, Melanie, uh, or Mel, our, our sister from the church, posted something in the Instagram stories, and it was this beautiful banana pudding. Now, stay with me because I'm, I'm going somewhere. This banana pudding, right, is from Keisha Cakes LLC. Now, this is not your random or just, you know, run-in-the-mill banana pudding, right? Uh, um, this banana pudding was beautiful, right? And so my wife, as amazing as she is, she goes to... Uh, Keisha's house and you know Keisha's like you know I got this banana pudding for you it's for Josh you know make sure he gets it cool and then she goes to Vicky's house and she's talking to Vicky and then she leaves Vicky's house and then she leaves the banana pudding at Vicky's house and you know when, I, when she tells me this story I'm freaking out I'm like well why didn't you go back she's like I did go back so she went back to, 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 to Vicky's house she got the banana pudding and, and, and Vicky was like, well, you know, I'm so glad that you you got this banana pudding, because if you did not get this banana pudding, Ashton would have definitely eaten it. And I just thank you, uh, Vicky and Ashton, for your for your sacrifice. I pray that the Lord would add it to your account uh, and thank you for, for, for your just generosity. Um, now, fast forward. I get home. Mahershala goes to bed. Michelle goes to bed. I am alone with the banana pudding. I see it in the refrigerator. Me and it, we are making eye contact, all that. And so I see the banana pudding, right? It's making this like, you know, little, I'm like, oh man, this is nice. So what do I do, right? I go into my prayer closet, yes, God. And I, and I shut the door and, and I pray to the Lord, 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 in secret, your father who sees in secret will reward you. I'm gonna get the banana pudding, right? I'm so excited. I go into the laundry room, it's not a prayer closet, but I went to the laundry room, closed the door and I, and I set the mood, right? Because if you have good food, you should just set the mood if you have, if you have good food. I get I get to the food. I mean, I get to the, the, the banana pudding. I start playing uh, Anita Baker's Angel, you know, Angel, that, that, that jam. And I started playing it because I know I'm about to get this banana pudding. And I was just rejoicing, you know, things like scriptures just start coming to my head, like uh, taste and see that the Lord is good, that, you know, man can't live on bread alone. And, you know, manna fell down from heaven, all that stuff when I was eating the banana pudding. Now, here's the thing. Paul isn't talking about banana pudding, but I just wanted to set the mood uh, for what Paul is talking about. He's, Paul's saying he's not really rejoicing in just something, right? He's rejoicing in the fact of the Lord. He, he's, he's greatly rejoicing in the Lord. He says that once again, this particular church is not a mega church, right? It's, it's just this, maybe, maybe like a hole in the wall church, just little church on the corner that is just sacrificially loving and renewing its concern for the apostle. Um, uh, but but even in, he's saying that e even in that, you know, you may have lacked, lacked the opportunity. He's saying that, you know, maybe there was a time he they were giving to him and then out of nowhere, they just stopped giving. Now, it doesn't say it doesn't tell us why. 
but maybe they didn't have the means. In Philippi, they didn't have a, a, um, a whole bunch of money in this particular church, but they were just giving to Paul sacrificially out of what they had. And, and that's the thing. I, I, I love the church for that. I, I love the church in general. Um, my parents raised me. I was five years old. We used to go um, to this church, New Vision Full Gospel Baptist Church in East Orange, New Jersey. Now, um, it would not be a Monday through Sunday or whatever that is. But it would not be a day that I would not be at the church. Right. On Saturdays, I just enjoyed Saturdays. But it, I, I can't re I can't think of a Saturday that, I, that there was never a time when we were not out in the community and giving. Right. Uh, we were giving food to the poor. Right. Joyfully. At that time, this is the 90s. So you have probably a surplus from government funding. Most of those 501c3s had funding from the government. And so we were just taking all the things that we were getting and we were just giving it back to the community. Food, clothes. Uh, um, people were finding jobs and getting help finding jobs. Um, people were, were, were getting off of, of drugs or drug rehab um, help from the church. And so this is why I love the church. Uh, and you fast forward now talking about 2020 gospel fellowship, even in the pandemic, just financially giving, just just giving food to the poor or, or, or serving and um, feeding South Florida, um, just finding ways uh, to, to even help parents get school supplies that their kids can have what they need. So for, for, for Paul, this particular church in Philippi had been financially just supporting him, meeting his needs in, in a time uh, in a time of, of, of great need for him. And here's just a footnote. I mean, it, it, it's crazy to me that even myself, there have been times that we have said harmful things and bashful things towards the church. But if it wasn't for the church sacrificially and generously giving itself for us and others in our time of need, then it, it, what would happen? Right. They, they would give to us emotionally, financially, uh, uh, spiritually. So for Paul, he's just genuinely joyful in the Lord for the outpouring of this um, generosity of the um, Philippian church and his moments of little and his moments of much. Now, I, I love um, what he says. Um, he says I, uh, he says to his critics, he's, he answers his critics, not to bash them, but he answers his critics. He, he says, I don't say this out of need. Well, what do you mean? Because if you look at this, it kind of looks like Paul's asking for more stuff. It's not what Paul's doing. You look at this, you can say, hey, OK, Paul's asking for more money or he's asking for this you know, prosperity thing. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I don't say this out of need, for I've learned to be content in whatever the circumstances I am. I know both how to have a little and I know how to have a lot. Now, have you ever said to yourself, I'm pretty sure you have, because I think all of us have. Have you ever said to yourself, I need something so bad and once I get it, I'll be satisfied. You could pit that with whatever you want to pit there. Um, here, here's, a, here's, a, here's just some encouragement. More stuff won't make you satisfied and less stuff will probably make you want more right if you're like me I, i'm a sneakerhead and so what that means is that when when nike or adidas or somebody drops something hot you know you, i'm perusing through sneaker app and i'm like oh, man I, I hope i can get it right and then the thing is once i get the one sneaker i'm thinking okay two weeks later these drop and, and i'm thinking about the next one and, and so i'm just never satisfied right um, if, if you're like me or anybody else in the church, um, you know, we're always thinking about our socioeconomic status at some point or another. Let's be honest. Uh, and, and we get one degree. You get the AA degree and then you get the bachelor's degree and then you get the master's degree and then you get the doctorate's degree. And then you got to get the certificate. It's like you never stop. 
Um, um, I know one of, my, one of my friends or somebody I knew posted this poverty mindset versus abundance mindset. She put it on Instagram. She was like, do you, do you have a poverty mindset or do you have an abundance mindset, right? And I was like, man, I don't think I have a poverty mindset. I think that abundance thing looks, looks pretty good. But here's the thing she was saying. She was like, you know, once I get rich, you know, then I'll be able to sacrificially serve people. But that's, that's not what Paul's teaching. And that's not what Christ is teaching us either. He's saying in any of those situations, whether you have it, whether you don't, I, I've learned how to be content. I've learned how to sacrificially give of myself no matter, no matter the cost. So here's the thing. Striving for more is good. There's nothing wrong with that. If you're striving for more, by all means, do it. it it's not a bad thing. But if wanting more replaces God's place in your heart, then wanting more is too high a price tag to strive for. And at the end of it, you'll still be left unsatisfied. Um, um, I love what he says. He says, Paul's saying, I'm not asking for more stuff, right? So I can be more pro uh, prosperous. So I can just be more rich, whatever that is. No, he's saying, I know what it is to have. And I know what it is to not have. I know what it is to be in poverty. And I know what it is to be in abundance. And I'm able to just go through all of this. Why? Because satisfaction and contentment has been rightly placed in trusting God in every circumstance, no matter the outcome. And that's that's Paul's heart. That's right. He's writing this letter to the Philippians to say, hey, I care more about you than I care about your stuff. I care more about what God's going to do towards you than you can ever do by giving sacrificially to me. So then what's what's the secret, Paul? How, how do we get here? How do we get to um, this this secret of contentment in any, in any circumstance. Verse 12, right? Let's look at verse 12. In any, in any and all circumstances, I've learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or whether hungry, whether in abundance or whether in need. For Paul, contentment sets the pace for him in all circumstances. If we look at our, the landscape of our world, right? If you're honest, if you're honest, you look through social media. You see somebody get a house. Ah, man, I might need to get a house. You see somebody get some new clothes. Ah, man, I might need to get some new clothes. You see somebody with a new car. Hey, you know, the car brakes aren't working as good as they should. Right. It, it, for us, it seems as if circumstance, especially especially now. Right. The pandemic has shown us that circumstance has been setting our hearts pace all along. And maybe maybe I'm, I, I'm no I'm no fortune teller or whatever that is. But maybe God hit us with a pandemic to show us that you were trusting in circumstance. You weren't really trusting in me. So God was teaching Paul how to live above needs and wants. Now, here's the thing. How did Paul learn to be um, content? Right. God had to change his perspective. God had to. I mean, we've we seen what what happened. Right. You can go back to Damascus. Right. You go back to Damascus and Paul's uh, obviously before that he's cruci uh, not crucifying, but he's 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 persecuting Christians. I guess you could say per, uh, crucifying because Christ said, you're crucifying me. You're, you're 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 beating me up. You're you're pitting me to death through my people. Right. God had to hit him in his blind spot so he can actually see so he can actually change his perspective from killing and destroying Christians to now sacrificially giving his life for Christians. Right. God had to change his perspective from circumstance to contentment. And how does God do that? How does God get Paul to this, this place? He uses P. 
pain, right? He uses suffering. That's going to hurt when you get to abundance, right? That's going to hurt that abundance a little bit. It may even hurt that poverty a little bit. He said he uses pain and suffering to help him better understand his purpose. And he gave Paul and he's giving us the strength to endure it. How do you know that? Let's look at 2 Corinthians uh, 12, 6 through 10. And it says, but I refrain. So no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. Because of these uh, surpassingly great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me three times, not once, not twice, but three times. I pled, I, I pleaded with the Lord to take it from me. But he said to me, no, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast, as Paul says, more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. This is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and in insults and what? In hardships and in persecutions and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I mean, let's look at Everyday Joy, right? This, this series that we've been going through, we stopped uh, with the Justice Series and we got back into it. But let's, let's, let's look at the brief overview. How did, Paul, how did Paul get here? Philippians 1 and 12, and it reads, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, what has, has really served to, to advance the gospel? What has happened to him? Well, he got shipwrecked, he got imprisonment, he got beat up, he got thrown off a cliff. But all of this suffering all of this pain, it, it, it's happened to, to, to really serve the advancement of the gospel, right? Uh, Philippians 1.29, for it, it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ. You should not only believe in him, but you should also suffer for his sake. Philippians 2.13, God is the one who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Uh, um, um, Philippians 2, 14 through 15, right? Do all things without grumbling and disputing. Now, I'm going to be honest. I don't think a church, I don't think GF grumbles and disputes, but I, I know we're people. And so let's be honest. This is an honesty moment, right? We all have done something for the church or for people and you've grumbled and you've disputed. Let's just go ahead and get that out the way. But, but that's not what God is calling us to do. He's saying, he's saying, don't do that. He said, do all things without that. He said, you may be so that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, right? Philippians 2.17, but even if I'm poured out, as Paul's saying, as this drink offering of sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with you all, right? This, he's calling rejoicing again. He said, in the same way, you should also share in this burden and rejoice with me. Philippians 3.12, not that I have already reached the goal, or am already fully mature. Paul, you're not fully mature? What, you just, you pent most of the New Testament. How aren't you fully mature? But he's saying this, but I make every effort to take hold of it. What's it? Christ, because I've also been taken hold by him. So here's the thing. Contentment is not some magical pain-free experience, right? It is a process that involves living through the ups and downs of life that we seek to avoid. So here's my question, whether you go to GF or whether you don't. Have you learned the secret of being content? No, I haven't. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to call myself on the rug. I haven't. 
Or is circumstance still setting the pace for your life? See, here's the thing. Paul, Paul lived through humiliation and abundance, right? Some nights he had food and some nights he didn't. And he just rode, the, he just rides this ride of joys, joys of abundance <laughs> and pain of, of, of not having it and in poverty and struggles. And in the brokenness of this world, he's, he's helping the Philippians and us to see how to endure the highs and lows of life. So then, Josh, what, what's the secret? What is the secret you've been holding on to? It's Jesus. That's all, that's all Paul's talking about. He's, he's talking about Jesus, right? Hope Blanton and, and Christine Gorton uh, uh, in their book, please, um, man, you should definitely get this book. These ladies did an amazing job. But at, in their book, Philippians uh, at his feet wrote this. The secret he has learned, we're talking about Paul, is that of dependence. He leans on, abides in, begs of, delights in, and looks to Jesus in everything. Not only does he do this when he is in need, in humble, hard circumstances, and he does this so in abundance when he is well supplied is also. The danger of self-sufficiency in times of plenty is just as menacing as the struggle to be content in times of drought. So then how do we get here? It, it, Paul is showing us Philippians 4.13. He's showing us that I can do all things through myself. No. I can do all things through the law. Absolutely not. I can do all things because I'm a good person. No. He said I can do all things through Christ, not me. I, I, I tried to do me. I, that's why Damascus happens, because I tried to do it my way and it didn't work. He's saying I'm able to do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I, I remember I'm, I'm an athlete. Well, ha, not not that I'm an athlete because now I got a dad bod. But no, I, I used to be an athlete. Right. And we used to take that uh, particular, you know, that particular um, scripture out of context. Uh, we just used to use it to apply it to our goals and dreams and you know future endeavors. And that was just our thing to do because we, we wanted something from God, but we didn't really want God. And that's the thing. Paul's not saying I want more stuff. I want more money. I want more prosperity. I want more abundance. No, I, I'm not necessarily trying to talk about being poor. Not, it, it, it's not that I, I, I'm just trying to show you. Paul believed this thing. He said that to, to rightly put Christ as the goal, not anything else, the dream of his heart. Christ then now has set the pace for Paul in his lack and in his abundance. Wow. Wow. So here's the thing he's saying. He's saying the reason why you and I are never satisfied, never content, always in want is because something has taken the throne of our hearts. God is trying to show us unless we dethrone whatever that is and rightly place him there, then we will be in want no matter what circumstances we're in. Christ gives Paul the strength in the midst of shipwrecks, right? Being thrown off a cliff, being beaten, being in prison, and being hungry for food, being have torn clothes, being in, in, in all these situations, being in need and being in abundance. He does it so that Paul can spread the gospel. Paul does more work from a jail cell than he ever did being a Sanhedrin, right? Crucifying the church. He does more work from a, from a whatever the cell is. If you look, if you go and Google 
uh, what did a Philippian or what did a uh, Roman jail cell look like? It's not very big, but he pins all these different letters to to, Gal- to Galatians, Ephesians, uh, Corinthians, all these things he just does while in imprisonment. Right. So here's the thing for 414. Still, it says you did well by sharing with me in this hardship. He's telling the Philippians it was it was good that you were were here not not physically, but here spiritually, it was good for you to share in, the, in my hardship. Now, this is the same language Paul uh, used when addressing the Galatian church in Galatians 6, 2, right? This is the call of all of us as believers. Carry each other's burdens. I know she's messy. Carry the burden. I, I know he's, he's a knucklehead. Carry the burden. Carry the burdens of others. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. This church who loves Paul is ultimately loving Christ and sharing in the burden and supporting the apostle and giving whatever needs he needs as much as they possibly can. So here's my question. Are you sharing in the burdens of others? Are, 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 they, are, are they heavy? Are, are, are people's burdens too much for you? Is it just about you or are you sharing in those burdens? Um, are you sharing in the burdens of the church? Are you serving? Are you sacrificially giving, right? Whether that's financially, whether that's time, whether that's your mind, whatever it is, are you sacrificially giving to the burdens of the church? And and lastly, are you you sharing in the suffering of knowing Christ? Can somebody say when they see you that that Christ is being known through your life? When you get around your coworkers, is it just, just, you know, talking about the game or or are are you intentional about making Christ known? Last point. What's in your account? Now, I, I kind of thought about that when I looked at, um, you know, the Capital One thing. He was like, uh, what's in your wallet? But, you know, whatever, whatever that is. Um, I, I love Philippians 4, 17 through 20. Let's look at it. He says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. But I've received everything in full and I, and I have an abundance. I am fully supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus, which you provided, what is it? A fragrant offering and an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul's not seeking more stuff. We got that out the way. He's not seeking more gifts from the Philippians. He is more excited at the gift that they sent He's more excited about what the gift that they sent means for them and their account. He's not looking at his account. He says they are richly growing in this sacrificial love and generosity that can only be coming from knowing Christ in their lack. Right. In their in their in their, in their lack and in their surplus. Uh, uh, Paul references Leviticus 1 9, this Old Testament sacrificial imagery. It, it, this aroma, right? This, this aroma, if you look at the book of Leviticus, this aroma signifies that God was pleased not just with the sacrifice. So at that time, they would, you know, cut a bull and, and, or whatever that is, and, and, and they would cut and make him bleed out on the altar, right? And he would, they would cover the altar in, in, in blood, right? But he, he's saying, but more than that, it, it's not about so much the sacrifice. The sacrifice is important. Don't hear me, don't hear me say that it's not. He's saying, but on top of that, the obedience and the willingness to the one that's sacrificing. How do you know that? Let's look at 
if you look at the story of Abraham, how, how he's about to sacrifice his son Isaac, right? He pissed him on this, this altar, right? And he's about to just like literally plunge a knife into his son. And, and, and God, God is like, oh, Abraham, hold it, hold it, hold it. He said, don't worry about killing your son. I just wanted to see if you were willing to sacrifice something for me, right? So he, he doesn't kill his son. He said, look over there. He looks and there's a, either a lamb or a ram in a thicket. And he's like, I'm sending somebody that is going to be the greatest sacrifice that you'll never have to sacrifice again because I'm going to put my son in place of where your son should have been. And I'm going to lay him on this altar and I'm going to put him on this cross and he's going to bleed out for all mankind. So for you and I, because of Christ, we get the righteousness of God. His sacrifice of being the Holy One who sacrifices himself uh, from God's wrath over our sin. That's why scripture tells us in Isaiah, God was pleased to crush him so that through his suffering, the Lord makes his life an offering for sin. He will see his offspring and prolong his days and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hands. So my question is, what's in your account now? Not what's in your bank account now, unless you want to. Uh, you can cash at me at Kit That Gospel if you feel led. My birthday was the other day. It's cool. No. So I'm not saying what's in your bank account. <laughs> uh, what I'm saying is, is Christ in your account? What are you banking on in this life to sustain you? Whether, whether you believe it or not, whether you believe, uh, whether you're a Christian or you're a non-believer or you're still trying to figure out the salvation thing, I'm here to tell you, don't, don't eternally go bankrupt trying to invest all your time, energy, hope, and aspirations in the worldly things that are not meant to survive apart from Christ. Um, me and my wife, we, we, we normally do, um, you know, a time of devotional. Sometimes it gets, you know, convoluted. You know how that goes uh, as life goes on. But normally um, we do these devotionals on, on top of CVR. Um, there's a time we had to step away just to to just renew our love for Christ. Not, nothing wrong with the CBR. Please use the CBR. That's why we got it. But on top of that, another resource, um, Paul Tripp's New Morning Mercies, right? I love what he says here. Now, it's a long quote, so, so follow me on this. He says, the reality is that God has little allegiance to my selfish little wish list. I said, Paul, why are, you, why are you on me like that? Why are you doing me like that? He says, he has not signed on by his grace to deliver me that catalog of things that I think will make me happy. He is not committed to meet everything I have Christianed as a need. He is not working to make my journey between the already and the not yet as easy as it could possibly be. No, he's saying God is never caught up short when one of his children is enduring difficulty as if something strange were happening. No, walking with Jesus is not the grand vacation. It's it's not a he's saying a, a free life of responsibility and trial. Walking with Jesus is not like that because our right here and right now life with him is not a destination as a vacation would be. He is not a vacation planner, Jesus. No, he is our sovereign savior, king. This this present life, life is meant by God to be a time of preparation for the final glorious destination that will be our eternal home. I'm closing, right? I'm closing. I, I love what Paul says in, in verses 19 and 20. He says, and my God, 
because he was the God I was fighting. He was the guy I was bucking against the system. But now he has become my God. And now because I've experienced the joys and the sorrows, the pains of not having and having, I now know that my God will supply all some. No, a little. No, but all of your needs, according to his, not yours, his riches and glory in Christ. Now to our father, now to our God and father, be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So for us as believers, we must. How does this work? You know, practically, you know, how does this work uh, from a day to day basis? Paul's saying, stay adaptable, stay available, remain teachable and remain hopeful in Christ in all circumstances. So that when people when the people of the world see you, they'll see something different that nothing from this world can offer them apart from Christ. The moment when God becomes all you need then you will learn like like the apostle learns that the secret of contentment is Christ and him alone. You know, uh, probably about a week or two weeks ago, we lost um, Chadwick Boseman. Right. You know, Black Panther. Love, love, love that movie. Um, I love what he said. Right. He was his representation of God was was amazing. I love what he said. He said this purpose is not related to your career. It's related to what God put inside you that you're supposed to give to the world. Love you guys. Peace.